G'day everyone, you're with Matty LeBrand on Solent to Rhyme. We've been listening to a little bit of punky stuff tonight. We've got a NBA show coming up right now. I'm going to try and hit the NBA Oracle and Sneaky Pete from the Dark Web up as we normally do on a Tuesday night at around this time. And hear what they've got to say about the NBA and everything related to basketball, I guess. Sneaky Pete from the Dark Web, are you with us, mate? Boomers! <laughs> the boomers, mate. The bronzers. The bronze Aussies. Go out there and come third like a real Australian athlete. Oh, you got to love it. <laughs> you got to love it. You there, Oracle? I'm still reveling in that bronze medal. The I'm bronze still, age. I'm, I'm, I'm painting things bronze in the house. I'm, mm. you know, wearing my bronze um, uh, T-shirt and everything like that. I'm getting a tan, trying to get that bronze-coloured skin, you know. I'm doing everything. It really goes... It's a bronze age. Yeah, it's a bronze oh, yeah. age. It's a bronze Aussies. It, it goes well, doesn't it? So, Oracle, okay, I guess elephant in the room, we've got to talk about first, you know, before anything. Yeah. Sneaky Pete said, it's all on Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills is going to do it. Paddy Mills, Paddy Mills, Paddy Mills. And he's right again. I think this is probably the 20th or 30th time mm. that he's been right yeah. in, in this show's history. It's done very With good. a huge call. And he just, he can just pick a winner. Can I? Look, I think he's using his um, sneaky skills on the dark web to to see what that groundswell is, you know, to see what, what they're saying out there. And then he can he can bring it all together and then, you know, have these words of wisdom on the show. It's almost as if, Sneaky, you have a window into the future. How do you keep doing it, mate? Well, we haven't even mentioned my, uh, my Leonard called. I told you he did his ACL. No one <laughs> believed me. No one. Well, you know, I, I think I think Sneaky would be really good on that, you know, the betting market, maybe. You know, like uh, people want to know what, what do you bet on? Like, what, what's the inside scoop? I've got to be coming to Sneaky for all of this now. He's proven it time and time again. My question is, why haven't some of the big NBA teams that are at the top of their game employing Pete as a consultant? Because... I'll tell you what, you couldn't go too bad. Like, I've had a pretty good run. I've made money off the off the sports bet this year, but let's talk about the game. Well, let's talk about Matisse. Well, what do you... Well, okay. <laughs> Sneaky, Pete is the, Sneaky Pete is the biggest story in the NBA right now. Everyone's talking about him. Bigger than John Collins getting his 120. <laughs> Luca getting his 205. No, nah, pales in comparison. It's my predictions. Sneaky Pete's predictions, new segment for the show. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm just waiting for one of the super teams, you know, a, a, a Brooklyn Nets, uh, LA Lakers to think, hey, listen, it can't help us to throw some coin at Sneaky Pete and just have him on the books as a consultant. I'd rather him on our team than someone else's. Let's just snavel him up. You know, Eddie, this is the first time that's happened. There's a guy that works for the Mavericks now. Um, his name is something Bulgaris, something like that. And he he's moved in. They've actually moved out the old GM and all this sort of stuff because this guy's now calling the shots. And what he was, he was first a Twitter guy, and then he gets his own company um, for betting, and now he's working for the Mavs as one of their main, main voices in the 
Cubans here. Well, look, so it has I'll, happened. I'll say this. I don't see Pete as a shot caller, you know, as someone who's making the final decision. But surely if you are one of those guys, you want to have him as one of the people coming to you with ideas, with theories, with, you know, outlandish statements, you know, get him in there, get him in the room. Uh, and, you know, you might not listen to everything, but it's just the 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 gravity the guy just you know you just hitting winner after winner sneak like congratulations again mate well done I, they weren't all winners if um the signal messages i was sending simon through the the game my uh, dante exum call was uh pretty poor look it's funny i, I messaged simon because exum's got this strange habit or uh, he leaves the floor not knowing whether he's going to shoot Mm-hmm. Or pass, and every yep. time he goes, it just looks like he's confused. Causes a turnover. Anyway, I sent that message, and then he lands a three from the corner, then then a dunk. He, he actually <laughs> took over the game. It wasn't yeah, just after a, I sent a random shot message. here or there, he was stealing the ball. He was uh, getting blocks. He was getting rebounds. He was. He was the whole team. I think he got a standing ovation when he came off or yeah, something as well. What was, uh, what was my call? Uh, I hope no NBA general managers are watching this game because he doesn't, right. doesn't have a contract. I, I think he might have played himself into a contract I after the so. last five minutes as well. So yeah. um, on, on that point, Oracle, is there a team for Wrexham next season, do you think? Look, it's only going to be a team taking a flyer, isn't it? A team that's got a you know, a spot down there at the 11th man or something like that. Just mm. see if he can offer something. Like, he's, he's obviously got the physical gifts, right? He, he's big enough. He's fast. He's very, very quick. Mm. As Pete said, he's still – like, it's, it's a bit amazing that the guy who's been in the league this long is still a raw player. Like, normally these are the guys that, you know, are high school kids and all, everything – but he's been playing as long as Marcus Smart has. They were in the same draft. And he's still a guy who's sort of working out the game. But if you want a guy to come in and, and do a bit of defense, you know, for a couple of minutes and everything like that, well, you know, it's probably worth a shot, I'd say. In that regard, is he a poor man's Ben Simmons? He is. He's exactly that. He's exactly a poor man's Ben Simmons, you know, except he's only getting get like the minimum. Whereas Ben Simmons will get like 100 times that amount, you know. I saw footage of Ben Simmons shooting today. He, he's got his uh, shooting coach, which is uh, Rajon Rondo's um, shooting coach. So, geez, he's going to come back with a sweet shot, isn't he? I'm looking, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. I'd, I'd well, like yeah. to see that. Does Ben Simmons get, like, I know we're in the wrong side of the, um, the uh, I guess you'd say the playoff for the gold medal. I'd much rather us being in the other side there. Do you think we could have beaten France if we had uh, Ben Simmons there or even without Ben? Yeah. I think we're I think we're neck and neck with France yeah. at the at the moment. I reckon those games would be a dollar ninety one each way on yeah. on those games. Throw Bane. They definitely in there, have they definitely know? have a good team, France. But Ben Simmons might tip us. But that's what was really disappointing. And I know Ben listens to the show. He's mm. a religious listener to the show. He's mm. all over my Twitter. Shout out to Ben. Hey, Ben. Ben, yeah. you gotta, you got to play for the boomers. You mm. missed out on a good one. It's With an Aussie all thing. the crap that's coming down, we're not expected to win. Mm. We're not. We are the underdogs. Being an underdog 
would have done him well and been around that group of players. You look at look at Matisse thinks he's in heaven. He goes, who yeah. are these guys? Who are these guys? I can but, do what I want. I can play what I want. Yeah. And they're all good guys and they're all having fun. Yeah. It's the it's the quintessential Aussie experience. And you could tell Matisse was just having the time of his life. And, and Matisse is coming back a better player. He's going to come back with more confidence and all that. And uh, Simmons missed out on that, you know. And, like, being around leaders like um, Paddy Mills, like, look at what Paddy Mills had to say after the game. Like, which player wouldn't get, you know, uh, all that, um, I don't know, uh, a whole new level of play after being around a guy like him, you know, a leader like that. I, I think I think Ben Simmons has done his game a lot of harm not being around that kind of experience. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he's played for the Boomers at all, has he? I don't think he ever has. Is that right? I don't. I can't remember him in that. But he's got to play. We might get another Olympics out of because it's three years away three years. out of Paddy. Yeah. And he's got to. Yep. He's got to. He's got to play. It, it, yeah. it will improve his game. And as I said before, we're not supposed to win. We're the underdogs, and we we love the team. We yeah. we love them. Like they they did us proud. And it will come. And that speech after mm-hmm. that, I, I didn't think I've seen a better post match no. interview. And it comes down to just being the Aussie. Oh, what are you gonna? I'm gonna go home and put the medal up at Mum and Dad's house. Yeah. I almost, I almost shed a tear after he said yeah. that. Like that's not an NBA player. That's an that's a that's an Aussie kid. Yeah, and and it went to um, Andrew Gaze after that, and he was talking about how you know like this bronze medal is a culmination of you know all the work that all these guys have done throughout the years. You know. His father was part of it. And then, you know, Andrew Gaze, I think he's the second highest scorer in international basketball history and all these guys that came through. And it's all been building towards this. And, and it's all it's a recognition of all that too. Like Paddy Mills said that in the speech, you know, all that history, all these guys together, it's for everyone, you know. And uh, I think Ben Simmons is a bit more of, a, you know, what's, a, what's got to do with him and everything. But these guys is all about the team and, and the history and that. So, yeah, what, what a great what a great performance by the Boomers. I, I think that was like my favourite win of the whole um, Olympics, really. Like I, I watched a lot of events, but I think that was my favourite moment. I, I couldn't believe when um, when Andrew Gaze said uh, um, Lindsay was still alive. His dad's still alive, mm. and when Lindsay Gaze started playing, there were two hundred registered players in Australia of basketball. Wow. Yeah. What a stat! If you want, to, <laughs> if you like your stats, that's a good one. And to go from that to then the bronze medal, you know, and 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 as you said, Pete, like we could have won the silver if we were matched up with um, France. I think, you know, even better as you said, and that's how good they've come. You know, after after that stint, um, Aussies have come really far, and you got all those guys in the NBA now. Um, that are Australian. Then a couple of young blokes like that, uh, Landau that was playing centre, he really impressed me. I think he got a contract with um, the Spurs, but there just seems to be more and more guys coming through every year. Okay, can I can I just say something there then, Oracle, to, and, and sneak to, to break it down? Doncic, I wouldn't say exactly performed at his peak in the game. Not, not that game. Not that game. Not that game. Scored 22, 7 from 20. Was he – did Australia – did the coaching, did the team affect him 
you know, reduce his ability to perform. I'm not saying he choked. Uh, not as much as his injury, man. No, his injury. He's injured. He had a bad arm, yeah. I, and, and he was killing it before this injury. He was getting, mm. like, almost 50 points and, you know, almost 20 rebounds and, you know, 20 assists. He, he was just killing it. And then it's a shame he got that injury because that, yeah. that would have been something to see. If he was at his peak of his powers up against Durant and, you know, the USA, that would have been a nice uh, matchup. But, yeah. you know, with an arm like that, it was sort of going to be – Australia's game if they could keep it together. Yeah, I, I sort of weigh that up against Baines being injured and sort of they equally they square each other off there. And, <laughs> um, you know, he played injured and Baines wasn't out there. Sort of, you know, it's sort of... Poor old Aaron Baines. Oh, he's, been yeah. wa- he's been waved and it looks like he's going to be out for a year. He's done yeah. some real damage to that neck. Have you heard what it was, Pete? He's got um, some nerve damage to... No, I haven't known exactly. It's... But yeah, apparently it could be a year out, and he just got waived by um, Toronto. So yeah. I don't know. He what... didn't have the he didn't have the best of seasons even last year. But when you play with that sort of really physical style, that real brutal kind of you know um, set and screens and everything, like you're just more susceptible to an injury. I hope he has a speedy recovery. We might be seeing him in the NBL. I don't think I. I doubt Aaron Baines will make it back to the NBA. No, uh, like especially since his shot hasn't been there, and if you if you can't rely on him, so one of those like, weird things because he had a great season at Phoenix before he went to Toronto. They were thinking yeah. Toronto were thinking they were getting you know a vastly improved player, and then he went busted. Yeah, and it almost looked like he forgot how to play or something, didn't it? Like he. He was lost a lot of times on defense and things like that. Maybe they were asking him to do things that he wouldn't normally do and maybe a different situation, he'd come good again. I hope he does. But you're right, Pete, a guy with that sort of body breaking down as it is, and if he can't be consistent in the shot, like yeah, there may not be a spot for him in the NBA anymore. So you remember Baines. Was he at his best at the Celtics, Simon, or where was he at his best? We well, I, I think the start of that um, Phoenix season when he was shooting fifty to sixty percent from three for a couple of months. I mean, he was it was really something else. But at the Celtics, he really like um, solidified the defense there. Like, we were up against Joel Embiid, and he was a great matchup for him because. Joella Embiid couldn't really um, bully him like he would another player. And um, Baines sort of relished that kind of physicality. And on the other side, he was a um, great general out on the court too defensively. So he he just fitted perfectly with the Celtics defensively and was key when we um, when we beat the Sixers. Without him, we probably wouldn't. Have. Can I, I know we're going to talk about... Uh... Luke Longley probably next week with the Australian Story uh, two-part series on on Luke's career and and after his uh, playing career. Do you know that Luke uh, was instrumental in in him coming through and and improved his game a lot? Are you aware of that? Doesn't surprise me. No, doesn't surprise me with the culture in the Boomers and everything. Does like they seem to all really lift each other up. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to watch that doco. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check that out during the week. And so, Sneak, one of the things that sort of came out of that 
um, series on Longley, and I'm hoping that um, Thibault has the same uh, outcome, is that Longley had a coming of age playing for the Boomers and took his game to a next level. He was a college player at the time, had one more year of college after his first run with the Boomers and went from being, uh, I guess you'd say, an average player to a star in, uh, and, and, get, and ended up getting drafted in number seven overall after that. Can you see Thibault coming back, Pete, and sort of lifting it up a notch? For the I reckon he's going to come back a vastly improved player. Yeah. Um, I think being around, being in the NBA, is the, the talent is diluted everywhere. And it, he came out and into the Boomers, into an, an Olympic team. He wouldn't get the opportunity otherwise. Mm. And it's like he realized how good he is. Yeah. And he's hitting threes. He's what impressed me most is his offensive boards. Led the tournament in steal. We all know he's great on the defensive yeah, end. Yeah. Led the tournament in steals, but they were really good steals. Man. Yeah. And really good. He's going back, hanging out in in Tokyo with a whole bunch of like jovial guys, guys yeah. that you want to hang around. Teamwork. The Aussies are all about not so much skill, about attitude, camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, and like being around. Could you imagine the jokes that are flying around the the dressing room? He wouldn't have experienced that nah. before. And um, I think he's going back to the NBA, and I think he's going, "Wow, I'm good. I'm yeah. really, really good." Any and insight, he could be any. He could be anything. Any insight into what the in the inner workings of the Boomers are or were, in terms of who were the drivers, who were the jokers, who were the who it's all Patty and Joe. Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. Patty, Patty's the inspiration. Joe is the the mainstay. I reckon. Glue. I reckon Joe's doing the jokes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, reckon... but they're, they're both. You'd hear them in the huddle. Uh, a lot of blue talk, by the way. Oh really? But you know that they. Oh yeah. That there's a lot of f bombs in the well, Aussie. Well, they're team. Aussies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they, like, they weren't doing the c bombs. Oh boy, yeah. but but it's it's mainly uh, Jingle and Joe and Paddy Mills doing the talking. Now they're not just the like spiritual leaders of the team, but they're also the guys that you know fire them up and even talk about you know positioning and all that sort of stuff. They're, they're real leaders out there, and you know, and I think that like Della Vadova has a bit to play too, but he's probably a bit past it physically and things. You know, I think that was his last run, but um, you know, like. Not only Tybal, but all these young guys that go into this. Like, you know, your your Chanchar was there too, Matt, playing for um, Slovenia. And the, the young playing, you know, for the American team and everything like that. Like, I, um, a guy like Zach Levine, who he was going out there and playing, you know, really important minutes defensively and all that. I can see him coming back to Chicago and, you know, being all of a sudden a better defensive play, you know, something that he has never really done before. Like just being around a guy like Kevin Durant and all that, seeing how they operate, you know, rubs off on all of them too. I think it's a wonderful experience for the young I guys. think it's an eye-opener for the, um, for the Yanks as well. They went out and that first half against the Aussies, mm. they were switched off and it's like something went... Something flicked in their head as like, like guy, they're yep. looking at each other and goes, guys, we better do something or we're going to get beaten. Like, yeah. they were going to get beaten. And being 
as good as what they are and all power to them, they switched it on and they blew us off the court. But they needed to do something. They were looking shaky. They were looking very bad. And and, and Dane came out and he said something very interesting. Indeed. Um, it says that the international basketball is is refed different to the NBA. It's much harder to score because they're not calling as many fouls. And they're not calling as many fouls because you only get five. Yeah, that's right. So the, there's that. There's um, they, they don't accept any of those um, yeah. calls and the guy's got the ball and then he jumps into a player. Yeah, that, that, That's not a foul. Like They call that as an offensive foul. And not only that, they call it as unsportsmanlike play, and they just give the ball to the other team and say, "Have two shots," and that's it. You know, so a guy like Damian Lillard, he sometimes relies on pulling, um, you know, a lot of fouls and stuff like that to get his points, and that just doesn't work there. Well, so Trey Young was, would, Trey Young would be no good in FIBA basketball. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was thinking about that because I was thinking that they needed a guy to be like a floor general out there, you know, because, you know, although Holiday was, you could argue, their second best player, it's not his sort of style of game to like really drive the offense, you know, and Lillard's more like just a shooter. And I thought that they needed a guy to really sort of control things there. And I thought that he would have been the perfect guy, Trey Young. But then you have a look at how physical the game is, um, how they don't take those, you know, bullshit calls and stuff. He would have had to have adjusted there. He couldn't have just come in and done his own stuff and, and you know, hope for the best, I think. But I think he would have found a way. But, I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought it was a pretty entertaining style of game that FIBA And I think, I think the NBA has taken a bit of notice because they're – I read um, something about they're having a look at the unnatural shooting motion fouls now. Yeah. And yeah. they should get rid of that. It's, it, it's, it's milking. No yeah. one likes watching diving in football slash soccer. No one likes it. NRL, no Pete. Yeah, but, staying down after you get, you know, a little bit of a clip to the head. No one, no one likes it. And nah. but it's, the, it's the stain on a, on the game, some of the fouls that they're the, drawing. Yeah. Mm. It's just milking the game. It's yeah. not in the spirit of the game. And I think I think the NBA are wising up to it because it was quite a good spectacle. It was quite it was. a good spectacle. It's, it's there's some things they can't change. Like they're not going to go from 12 minutes to 10 minutes, which I think is a good move. But they're not going to do that, and they're not going to go from. So they got seven timeouts in NBA, whereas these guys get five, right? And you're only allowed two in the first half, and you're only allowed three in the second half, and you're only allowed two in the last two minutes. You know, so there's heaps more. Um, calling for you know all that um, timeouts in the NBA. They can't do it because of the yeah they won't because of the uh, the money they get from the advertising. But you know one thing I wish they'd do is I'm happy now never to see a replay called by the refs again. I'm sick of any replay. I'm not happy for the they make a mistake. Fine. We just go, okay, that's the call. Let's keep going. You know, I, I hate I hate all the um, time wasted going over a call again and again and again. So I hope they get rid of that. That's something that they could scrap. Sneak, that's, Sneak yep, do, yep. Do, do you think about, so, you know, we grew up with rugby league. Do you think that the, the constant, you know, replay 
getting checked by the video ref, all these plays, you know. Do you think that there's something to be said about those games of the 90s, the mid to late 90s, where it was refereed a lot more open and, you know, whatever the ref decided on the on the field was how it went and, and the games were more exciting because there was more happening uh, consistently. There wasn't as many breaks. Uh, I kind of think the NBA could, you know, learn from that somewhat and benefit from that style. Do, do you think, okay, the game might be better from putting on your punter's cap, you know, you get a bad beat due to a bad call that you know was wrong and if they'd replayed it, you know, you, you could be at, you know, a fair bit of coin. Even with your punter's cap on, would you still be saying that? Um, I think there's a mix that can occur. You can have a happy medium. The the Suns-Clippers game, the, <laughs> I forget what game, game, game two? The last two minutes went for 25 minutes. Oh, the one where, yeah. <laughs> the one where that crowd oh, passed to Aiton. Yeah, um, I thought it was overtime. Like when I, I saw it, I thought, gee, this game goes for over three hours. I thought, gee, there must be overtime. And it wasn't. It was just replays. And that was ridiculous. Yeah. That was just ridiculous. And surely, but, surely as, a, like, as an entity, the NBA, Pete, they've got to think of the spectacle. But they've the also... spectacle, and they've got to think of what's on the line right. too. Um, Eighty-two games to get dudded on a call—it's got to be tough. And considering the the millions that's involved with the sport, yeah. So there has to be a happy medium somewhere. I don't know where it is. There's people smarter than me working on it, but we can't have another Clippers Suns. That was ridiculous. No. No. So, well, one rule change I know has to happen, or yeah. I, I think would be a good one, is I hate the, you know, the call, the charge call. I hate that call where someone just stands there and if you run into them, it's a foul. And then they've got to look at it, okay, where was his feet? Where was this? Was he up in the air? I hate it. I, don't, I think they should outlaw the actual charge one. you got to go up and try and block that ball if you want to stop him. If you can't do it, well, bad luck. Let him dunk it. Right? So that that's something, right? And then if the guy comes across and you know, grab uh, gets his arm, okay, great. It's it's a block, and I mean it's a foul, and that's it. Let's keep going. But that's a that's a call. I think they're going to have to change that one with the the other one while I'm on a roll. That one, you know, where they got um, that clear path. Every time there's a clear path call. It must take five or six minutes to work out was he standing in front of that other guy or whatever like yeah. that. I reckon they've got to get rid of that completely. If you do an intentional foul, I don't care where it is. If it's a fast break, let him go, let him dunk it, and then give him another shot or whatever or two afterwards, and that's it. They've got to, they've got to find ways to keep the game moving along and you know without you know losing their ad revenue because all this is just standing there watching the same thing over and over again. That doesn't help anyone. So I reckon, Pete, you're balance. I reckon I'd rather go the other way and say keep the product looking good, keep it free-flowing, and that should be the priority, making the game its best. And, you know, you, you can train your referees and everything, but you just got to accept if they make a mistake, and that's that. That's would you still give the coaches one challenge? No. I, I would. I'd give the coach a challenge. 
Odd. The, the things is, yeah, that clear path wastes a lot of time, uh, Oracle. The other one is, is it a flagrant or not? Like, mm. those referees have probably seen not not just hundreds. Some of them have seen, like, over a thousand games. Yeah. Like, it's not a, that's not a crazy thing to say. Maybe multiple thousands of games, some of the older blokes, you know? Yeah. How Look, can they I, not I know in their that. gut... If that's a flagrant or not, but one of them out there, the senior guy, hey, hey, listen, that's a flagrant. We don't even get at... that right. No, Jokic is flagrant oh, no. two against the Suns. Yep, I don't think right. that was a flagrant two. Do no. you? I don't think he intentionally no. hit, hit him in the head. You know what? They, they sh- you know what I reckon they do. Rather than the refs on the court, I reckon you know that booth that they got where they have access to every single game and all this sort of stuff. They just leave it in their hands. They're the ones that can centralise it. They they can be consistent because it's always them making the decision. Like if there's a something like that, while they're walking back to the timeout or whatever like that, that's when they can look at it. it. Doesn't have to be the referees there, and then they just tell the referees it's a flagrant off you go and just do it that way. They've got to find every single way they can to speed it up. And why does it take them so many views though? Like even the commentators, we all see it. I tell you what was funny about the the, the officiating at the Olympics. Um, the FIBA referees have worked out a way to to keep Dramon Green in check. <laughs> he was on his best behaviour. He had a he was drawing a little bit, but you know, quiet as a mouse for the well, mate. What do you put that down do you to? Think I reckon because the game's fast moving, they just don't have time to do it. Like they say, that's a foul, off they go, and then they start shooting the free throws. Whereas if you, you know, waving the finger around and they're looking at it again and all that, I mean, they've got like a excuse to go up to them all the time and slow it down. But in the feeble one, there's just no time. They say that's the call and off they go. Okay, so we've basically you know? pinpointed that the NBA – the learnings from the Olympics could be that they can make the NBA even better. And that would be by less replays, less slowing the game down, uh, less uh, chit-chat from the players, and less um, foul-pulling, if you want to call that, like um, directly going to try and pull a flower by by sort of jumping into someone or, or you know, that, that sort of unnatural play. Yeah. They're the key things. yeah. Now, okay, so, so then they start talking about, okay, well, how many fans are watching that 82 games uh, in this, you know, in, in a season every game? There's a lot of them. But how many of them are just looking at the box score that might show up on, you know, ESPN or whatever, and they go, oh, uh, you know, so-and-so scored 40. Oh, wow, you know, that's a, you know, that's an amazing thing. It's almost like, uh, oh, but of those 40 points... Uh, 20 were, you know, three throws, of which 10 of those were bullshit, you know. So uh, that's the other side of it too, you know, to, to get those numbers, the, you know, the big numbers, uh, the all, to always be better, to always be, you know, having the stars breaking records. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's something about that, you know, to always be better. And I think in trying to make things better, bigger, record-breaking. They've lost sight of the entertainment factor of the actual game. Yeah. 
Well, can I add something to that point, Matt? So you look yes. at a guy like Drew Holiday, yes. where in this situation, he was an absolute monster. He was our second best player. Nobody could score him because you're allowed to be physical as well. Right? That's the other thing. In the NBA, you got all those ticky-tack fouls, whereas here, if you just bump into someone, well, they just keep going, you know? So a guy like Drew Holiday playing that tough, hard defense is rewarded in, mm. in the FIBA game. And you might look, or someone might look at it and say, oh, you know, well, low scoring. But I look at it and think, wow, that defense was awesome, okay. you know? And, and I'd yeah. like to encourage that. So let's then break that down to the Celtics, okay? So Marcus Smart would definitely benefit from that. What about Tatum yeah, and, and Brown? He, would they would they lose something from that, from being hustled and bustled and pushed and bumped and whatnot? Well, you know, in the um, they, they played for the US um, uh, last year, right, like in the World Cup or something like that, and they came back much better players from that experience too. And, you know, if... If Drew Holiday was our third or second best player, you could say that Tatum was our third best player. And Durant Al, said that. Al, like, you, you now, said that a few times. The Al, Oracle, Al. Al, you said that Drew Holiday was our third best player. Tatum was our. No, uh, sorry, no, I, I meant I meant like um, Kevin Durant was talking okay. about, you know, how he was uh, he scored the most points for um, USA ever. And he said, well, Jason Tatum will be the next one to get that record. Okay. So, so Tatum has got a lot out of it. I just want to double check. You haven't been naturalized as a US citizen no, in no, the last... No, no, no. no okay. I misspoke. I yeah. misspoke. Multiple times there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you are still an Aussie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, okay. So smart would... Guys like him would benefit... But you don't. You think Tatum and Brown would still find a way? Of course, you know, like it's it, it's a great experience, but uh, and they learn from it. So they both came back better players from it. And guys at that sort of level, you know, if if you give them a new wrinkle, you know, they find a way to you know overcome it and to even take advantage of it. You know, so I think that that sort of strong defense uh, would be good for the game. You know, it had a different element because right now, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's just all about three point shooting. And I mean, if, if you're not shooting well, well, that's the game, you know, but if you can, if you, if you can defend a little bit harder and give a little bit more back to the defensive side, I think it can make a more compelling struggle, you know, a contest, I should say in the game. Sneak, how would that affect the 76ers? Well, they might get a trade for Ben Simmons then if the defense was a bit more focused. But I like, I've always been a defensive kind of guy. I like good defenses. And you let a bit of um, rough and tumble go into the game, it can only be a good thing. I know people like the high scores and things, but a close. Two teams with great defenses makes the scoring at a premium and makes the scoring better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Better quality shots. Yeah. Better quality better quality play to get your buckets rather than just standing in the corner and waiting for the outlet pass and then bang all the time. But um, I think I think there'll be a bit of a, a shift after these games with the quality that the NBA might be thinking, you know, the international game is good for the NBA. It can only put 
I know they're all focused on China, but they're they're nowhere when it comes to playing the game. Mm. Europe seems really good. Europe is a you know it's a nursery of talent over oh, there. Well, you look even um, at that Slovenian team. You had uh, you had Chancha, and I think they were the only NBA players there. And they're talking three pointers, and they're still blocking shots and getting rebounds and putting on passes. I mean, weren't nobodies, you know, and and, and there were hardly any NBA players there. So it's a uh, Slovenia small country too. There's just so much there. So, and you see, like even now, like our best players in the game are pretty much all Europeans as well. So, so Oracle, your 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 um, stream is not your your link is not coming through very well. I'm going to switch over to Pete so you see if you can do anything about that. Uh, Sneak, if you start thinking about these European players uh, in the NBA, and you're thinking about, well, I wouldn't say they're dominating the NBA, but they're obviously, you know, have lifted their exposure and their um, presence in the NBA. How much of that is to do with them having to play through contact in that European game before coming over? You know, they're young guys, 16, 17, playing against men, playing through contact, and then having to go to the NBA. And it's like, oh, uh, what used to be a, you know, a drive to the basket or, or getting open and shooting and either hitting or missing is now either a foul or I'm getting an N1. Uh, does that make the European players tougher when they used to be considered um, a less tough or a softer option to the what you know the American homegrown player? I think it has a lot to do with it. I can only take it back to my experiences as a kid. Mm. I was the youngest in my street. Right. So I had to play up as a seven-year-old. I was playing against 18-year-olds. Everyone in the street played the same game. Cricket, talking yeah. about. So when I, when, I, when I started playing cricket, I was far better than most players I came up with against at the time and that lasted all the way through till we all evened out at around 16 17. Mm. well uh, everyone speed, everyone knows speed you of the peaked ball, physically speed of the ball. At, at 11 12 13 they were your glory years um you know is, is there something to be said about peaking too early yeah i could say with my cricketing career i definitely peaked too early i was playing cricket since i was six mm. I was playing in the under-10s at seven. Um, and I, by the time I got to Greenshield, which is under-16s, I was jack of the game, wanted to, you know, get drunk and chase women around. Yes. As you do at that, that age. So, yeah, you can peak. If you look at some of the – you look at Giannis. Giannis started late. Yeah. I think – I think um, always, like, scoffed a little about the non-competitive sports that were – available at the time for for the young and i thought oh, you know i always looked at it and go oh, what are these guys playing this for well, that's not teaching them anything and then Example. as i've as i've gotten older i realized yeah maybe it's just let them run around when they're seven eight nine and when they get to high school see what they like and then 
give him a bit of a push. Mm. I'm not like in competitive, really competitive sports. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that the Europeans, because if you've got talent, you, if you look at football, they throw you in. They as well. If you're good at 16, you you, you can be on a you can be on a like a, a first division side in yeah. football. Yeah, it's happened. You look at Ronaldo. Ronaldo was playing against men from way very young. So was Messi. You you see it all the time. Jack Grealish had just signed for Manchester um, City. He he's been playing since he was he was a teenage star. Yeah, because it seems like he's been around for ages. But you know he's still youngish. So there's something something to be said, and I think that's why. Um, I think like Lamelo when he came out to uh, Australia, I think that had a lot to do with him him going back to America and and really he kind of never missed a beat. He slotted straight into the mm. NBA and he started dominating games. He, he also played he also played in Lithuania before he came to Australia as well. So I mean he had a, a long taste of you know playing big men you know before he came to the NBA and you see like. Uh, now some kids going instead of to college, they're going to league or they're going overseas or whatever, and they've actually done well being drafted up high as well. So I think you're right. You know that that kind of experience really sets them up. So okay, so we've learnt something from the international game. Hopefully the NBA has as well. So maybe we do a little bit of a sidestep and look at what the young, you know the youth of the game is producing. Can we sidestep into Summer League, Oracle? Oh, well, Summer League started, so you're seeing a lot of um, guys that you wouldn't normally watch play. No. And they're, you know, getting a chance to show what they've got. Some of them, you know, you're looking at them thinking, okay, well, they've developed this and that. Some of them it's just, uh, well, like for us, we got a guy um, – Yam Madar, who came over from Israel, they're calling him the uh, uh, Israeli Steph Curry. He's come over here, Celtics, and he dominated the game when he came in. He was unreal, you know, and uh, I hope we get a chance to watch more of him. And then you've got a guy like um, Carson Edwards, where he could score 60 points in a game, and he's still not going to make the squad, I think, you know. Um, so, so but it's, a, it's a chance to watch and see what some of the team guys have. So, so what do you know about this Yam Madar? Well, I, I watched the game, and um, he's, a, he's a tall point guard, and he's sort of like got a lot of sizzle and sazzle. He's you know doing a lot of these pocket passes, and you know the you know the way the Europeans play the Jokic thing where. They just throw passes you, you just don't ever see. And he, he throws a couple of those. Is there a bit of and Pete Maravich around him, about him? A bit or? of Pete Maravich, yes, yes. Right. But the other thing about him is he picks up players full court and he defends them all the way from there, um, you know, as soon as they put in the ball, all the way up to the three-point line on the other side. So, I mean, he, and he, he got a lot of steals and he sort of had a lot of poise and everything. Um, so... You know, it's great seeing stuff like that. And then you've got other guys that are working on different parts of their game. You can see it. So, you know, we've got a couple of guys who are good standstill shooters, but they're also working on trying to shoot with, 
you know, hands in their face and they're shooting off the dribble and, uh, you know, and like running full speed to catch the ball and shoot the ball. So you can see them working on that during the game, you know, and um, it's just a big training session for them. Um, but but it's good. I, I like watching uh, some of these young guys and seeing what they've got. So just on that, do you uh, think that, that Yam Madar might have a chance to get minutes this year? In terms of the, you know, the, the actual playing in the NBA, I think look, Celtics have. Um, if if he's going to play, they're going to have to trade away another player or two to fit him in because they want that max um, salary spot this year to potentially get a Bradley Beal or something. And if you if yeah. you sign him up now, you don't have that room anymore. You know, so you'd have to jettison another player maybe. You know, cost you a pick or something. So, if he's happy to stay over there and come his game in Israel and build up weights and his body and everything, I'd be happy for him to have one more year over there before coming over. Yeah. Okay. Sneak. Have you checked out any of the summer league? One basket. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, it was uh, Giddy Slam with his first touch off the high screen. That's all I saw. Oh, I did see him come off with an ankle injury. I'm not a summer oh, league guy. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I'm not a summer league guy, so yeah, I get to a, I get to the apex where I'm sported out, and after a great NBA season, I have to say, I pulled it out of the fire. And then the Olympics, I'm like, ah, oh, I need a break. So I just look at the, I look at the trades, and that's all, I, that's all I do really till it starts. Yeah, there, there was one other thing I watched was. Um... Well, I just watched highlights of it. Is uh, remember Isaiah Thomas used to be a Celtics uh, legend. Yeah. Well, he played in the pro am, right? What's a pro am? Like I think I saw oh, this. Like, it's just like when they they get some players together and they have a little tournament, you know. Um, it's usually a professional and, and amateur. Yeah. Teamed up. Oh, yeah. Okay. And and he got um, he got eighty one points. So he's back. Isaiah Thomas. Well, I don't know. It's it's a pretty good score. Uh, I don't know if he's still going to get a contract, but, uh, you know, 81, good on him. Well, I know that he had a little stint at the Nuggets, but he wasn't sort of putting up anywhere near those sorts of numbers. Um, 81. Yeah. He, he, is someone going to take a flyer on him? Because at one time, you know, if someone sort of ha- hasn't sort of looked up what he was doing back in the Celtics days, you know, when you guys were on a tear, where where was he ranked in terms of point guards at the time and what he was doing? You know, he was, I think in MVP voting, he was like sixth or seventh. Like he was right up. And then they were looking at like the efficiency that he scored with. And it was one of, it's in the top 10 efficiency of all time um, for a season. Like, he was that good. But because of his hips, he's lost a bit of his quickness and speed, and that's really what made him special. So, you know, um, you'd have to be, I think, pretty desperate to get uh, to want him on your team. But I hope I hope that he can find something. I, I'd, I'd love it if he was still there, but sadly, I think um, that might not happen. Sneak, uh, okay, so you haven't seen much of the Summer League uh, anything jump out to you, you know, of all the, like, probably one of the latest thing, I know it's a Celtics thing, 
um, they're talking about uh, it's possible that um, Schroeder, uh, apparently the Celtics have made an offer to Schroeder. Um, have, have you seen anything you know in the last week that sort of jumped out at you that made you think, oh, this is noteworthy? Uh, Kelly, the Kelly Oubre trade. Oh, sorry, move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where'd he go? Charlotte, wasn't it? Charlotte. Yeah. Is he six? Is he six man sort of material there? Oracle, like I can't see him playing. Is he starting or is he off the bench? No, no, he's, he's off the bench, but he can sort of cover a few positions for them. So he'll, he'll probably end up starting at some point with an injury here or there. But um, yeah, he's a bit more insurance than anything else. And the Ben Simmons, of course, won't won't go away. They stay. There's still um still talk of Dame. But uh, apparently mm. Simmons wants to go to the, the Warriors, which why wouldn't you with all that shooting there? If you were Simmons, don't worry about trying to dunk it there. Just well, pass, it to, pass it to Steph. But you can't have Simmons and um, what's Draymond. That? Draymond on the same team, can you? Well, that's I'm just saying what... What, he what the rumors rumors are going around? I don't know what's going to happen. So, I, I at the moment I'd say he's going to start with seventy sixes. I can't see them giving up. I can't see him. Do Portland want to do that trade? Uh, just can't see it. I, I just can't see it. I'm I'm thinking Simmons. Uh, as I said in the beginning, that why would you trade a oh, player at the bottom of his value? Like, it, it's basically, you know, like selling at the bottom of the market. Don't say it. Please. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. The, the, I, I think, I think, they gotta, I think they got to write it out, Pete. I think they got to write it out. Oh, I said that last week on the show. Yeah, I, I think they got. I think you're right. going to start. I think they got to write it out. I think he's got to find a bit of form again. Um, he might come back. Start playing well, and all is forgiven and forgotten. Who knows? Well, you don't know what to believe because apparently no. he's not taking any phone calls from the 76ers. Yeah. I think it all comes down to uh, JoJo's sensibilities. Mm. <laughs> this is a this is a bad situation for the 76ers. You know, it's terrible. All you had to do, mate, is take that dunk. That's all you had to do. <laughs> you know, Pete, I, I was thinking about your plan over the week, you know, about writing it out, and I was thinking, yeah, that's that's a good idea, and then. The more I thought about it, I think, okay, if he comes back and he starts, you know, missing his free throws and being tentative and all that, the fans are going to start booing, you know, Joel's going to be upset. and all It can really backfire as well. And I, and I wonder if it's worth the risk, you know, with him now like trying to sound like he's cutting ties and everything like that. You might just have to get whatever you can get for him. Oh, it could really backfire. What, Wiggins? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, whatever they can get, you know. Um, so so maybe with that trade, uh, you might bring over, um, check out this nickname, um, Kaminga, their, their draft pick, they were think pick sixth or something in the draft or seventh. They're calling him, and this is official, like from the uh, guys commentating, they're calling him Cumbucket. Kaminga. Does that mean something different in the United States than it does here? I don't know, but I think because he can get a bucket and his name is Kaminga, they're thinking come bucket has a nice ring to it, a nice sound to it, something. I don't know. Um, I, I would have thought Kaminga. Kaminga. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I think he'd be welcome at the Sixers. They, they I could don't know use much another comebucket there. <laughs> Apparently, that was Ben Simmons' name for a long time. Um, <laughs> one one thing, uh, Sneak, I've been uh, reading about Simmons is that he's quite um, selective on where he's going to go. Uh, to that uh, he doesn't he, have a choice. No, nah. no. Well, he does. He doesn't. No. No, he's got many years in his contract as well. It's not Four like he can just opt out. Here. Nah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. well, unless he wants to sit sit out for four years, he's, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a but an what, option. What he's angling at is he wants to move to a city with a nightlife. That's what I've read. Um, well, are you sure he wants to go to San Francisco then? Because I don't think it's the quiet that's, the nightlife that, that he's used to. That's not the <laughs> life he's looking for. Well. No. Yeah, okay. but he's not going to LA. I know. I know. In Ben Simmons' mind, he's sitting there dreaming of the Lakers and the Clippers, dreaming of it. But it's not going to happen. I don't think Portland, considering their you know Antifa's riding through the streets, I don't think the nightlife is uh, very good in Portland. Where's going to go? Miami? Nah, they're filled. They're, they're filled up. Orlando. If, Orlando could go to Orlando. What if Lakers say, "Hey, we'll give you Russell Westbrook." Wow. Would you take that? Uh, would Russell? <laughs> I don't think he'd oh, be too happy. I'm just thinking like LeBron after 10 games of, you know, Russell taking all his shots and everything goes, okay, we've got to get this guy out of Brick here. Let's up get three. Simmons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't shoot that. Sh- oh, come on, Russell. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, they're assembling uh, quite the side over there. I think Russ will... Uh, know his role in that kind of company. Oh, I can't. Like, these, oh. these players know his boss, surely. Sure, well, Russell Westbrook knows his boss if LeBron is on. Listen, the, on when the... Russell Westbrook was on uh, Kevin Durant's team, Russell Westbrook said it was he was the boss, not not KD. When he was with uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook was the boss there too. Uh, you know, when he was with Bill, he was the boss. I don't know. I think he thinks he's the boss wherever he is. Do you think KD's a boss type type player though? I think no. LeBron's a boss type player, but I don't think Kevin Durant is a a boss type. I reckon for me, Kevin Durant's the most talented player in yeah. the NBA. But I don't think he, like when it comes to attitude, I don't think he he's a boss type. With uh, James Harden, I could imagine someone going up against him. As the boss, mm. but but if you if you know, hey, if I pass it to Kevin Durant, he'll probably score, or I can take this myself. You would probably think a, a smarter player would give it to the better shooter or whatever, but Russ would do it himself. I just think that there'll be times when he's going to make LeBron's head explode this season, and uh, I wouldn't be like LeBron. Hey, if he doesn't think you're any good, he'll trade you right out of there. No problem. He even did it to Dwayne Wade. When Dwayne Wade came to him in the Cavs and he didn't like what he saw out of Dwayne Wade, he got him out of there too, you know? So, really? Oh, yeah. Like, LeBron, once he's done with you, you're you're out, you know? Uh, it's all professional for him. J.R. Smith, I know not the same level of player, but when J.R. stuffed up like he did, he was dead to LeBron. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, yeah. think of all the memes they got. Like, I hope they stay together. Like, and I hope they, I hope they're a bit of a, you know, crackpot family over there in LA. It's oh, going to make too. for some great entertainment. Mm. Like, imagine. Imagine LeBron getting the shits and <laughs> kicking, <laughs> kicking water bottles and, and Russ trying to explain himself and then, then, I, <laughs> and then Anthony Davis in the corner doing his stretches on his hamstrings and his calves. and <laughs> It's going to be great. Oh, you got Camilla. you got you got Dwight Howard. <laughs> it's a carnival of characters in LA. Oracle, is there a modern-day Perkins and is that – who would be the modern day perk? Modern day perk. Well, not Dwight Howard. So when we're talking perk, we're talking first off a no nonsense guy, but then another guy that okay, he wasn't the best player, but he was the guy that people would listen to in the locker room. So when he was with OKC, he was the guy that Durant would go to for guidance and all that sort of stuff. So who's the guy? So you're looking at a guy like um, Udonis Haslam. Uh, mm. He did. He was that for the Heat. Um, the Lakers don't have that sort of guy. Um, Do they need someone like that, or is or is that LeBron? Well, it's LeBron when he's in the right mood, isn't he? But there's plenty of instances where he turns on the team and stuff. Like, look, look what that Lakers team was like when he first got yeah. there. When he was sitting on one end of the bench, and then. The rest of the guys are all on the other side and he ships them all out of there. He is a fair weather leader. He's not a guy that's in the trenches type of leader, I don't think. Mm. It's gonna be a circus with LeBron as ringleader. It's gonna be great. I hope they massively implode. It'll be some of the best television you'll 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 see. What would you bet on that, Pete? What what's the chances of that happening? Of an implosion. Yeah, like you're the predictions, man. What, what do you reckon? Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Well, that's... come on, you, you got to. We've been oh. talking you up all, all episode. <laughs> I reckon they'll probably win it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's got to be some games where they're going to get testy. Come on, oh yeah. <laughs> well, hey, don't don't forget that Mellow is now in the mix. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, it's a carnival. He, yeah. I saw something from your buddy Matt Rick's. George Carl. Did you did you see what he said about Mello? No. Oh well, so over Mello, the years I have, but was well, it a well, recent what, thing? What Mello said was that it still keeps him up at night. You know this. Um, you know he's never won a championship. You know, and it would mean so much to him. You know, in his career. You know, and George Carl said um, that's what we try to tell him. Um, when we were telling him to play defense, you know, back when he was with the Nuggets, that if he tried hard on defense, he could get a championship. Um, so George Carl wasn't buying that Melo's been, you know, trying to get a ring um, all his uh, his career. Okay, maybe not all his career, but people change. Their attitude attitudes change. As they get older, they mature. They think about things. They have experience. So who, who's to say that Melo doesn't think that way now? Yeah, well, look, I hope I hope he's prepared to do his role because even very recently, I think Portland was the first time where he was starting to look like, you know, a bit more of a team player. But up yeah. until that point, you know, he didn't even want to sit on the bench, did he? No. You know, um, even when he was at OKC. It, and in saying that, him coming off the bench at Portland was the best he'd, you know, contributed in a few years, you know, like in terms of... I think of, so, yeah. Yeah, so maybe the penny dropped and he thought, hey, I can 
come off the bench for the Lakers. I can be that you know second scorer on the second team uh, in that option, and that might be good enough to get me a ring. Yeah, well, what's interesting about this new Lakers lineup is Frank Vogel's a defensive coach. The reason why the Lakers have been good the last couple of years is because they're terrific defense, but they've let all their defensive players go and they've just brought in an offensive player. So I'm interested to see how you know this completely new look is going to go with all these defensive-minded coaches and all these offensive-minded players. So it's not just going to clash on the court, Pete. I reckon in the locker rooms and amongst the coaches and everything, it's going to be on there too. Well, they should get – you make a – I know you've got connections in this world. Um, get on the phone to one of those executives at Netflix mm. mm-hmm. and get a camera crew in there. Follow them around the whole oh, year. Could you imagine that? Oh. <laughs> Riveting television. Oracle. We haven't talked about the big trade oh, oh, one the big la- signing. Sorry. What, sorry, Sneak. Just one last thing on that, uh, Oracle. It makes me wonder about when um, you, you, Charles Barkley went to the Rockets. Um <laughs> Is, is there something to be said for these, you know, te- a team of aging stars, you know, um, you know, I start thinking about the Expendables movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it can, I actually think an, a bunch of old blokes getting it done would actually be a story in itself and, and be quite interesting and good. I, 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 you know, like good on you is a bunch of sort of fellas, you know, gravitating to work together and making it happen. Does it actually happen though? That, like, no, no, it doesn't. That, that that's dumb. why. So yeah, it happens, but they don't, they don't win. Like when Charles Barkley went there, they lost. When Carl Malone and Gary Payton joined um, the Lakers, Lakers with you know Shaq and Kobe, they lost. Mm. It, it, it just doesn't work because not only are they old, but they get injured and everything like that too. You know, like and then you don't have the depth there because it's all these old guys. So like if it happens, it'd be great. Um, but, yeah, it's very unlikely. Uh, Pete, the big trade? Oh, the big signing, the big signing I sorry, And I believe I picked this one as well. Paddy Mills to the Nets. Oh. I know it broke your heart. Which would, uh. It's funny, last week you said that the, the Nets and the Lakers were your most hated teams in the NBA, and I almost fell That's off right. my chair last week. What, what, 76ers no more? <laughs> you like the 76ers now? I've always had a sort of a soft spot, but but it's to do with the rivalry and things, you know. Like I like to see them do well, and the and the Celtics do well because yeah. I'd rather beat a good Sixers team than beat, say, a Charlotte team or something like yeah. that, you know. Like, so that's why I like the Detroit Pistons and all that too, you know. When I think of the Seventy Sixers, I think of like a, a three legged mangy dog. Um, that I want to throw a bone to, you know, like, come on, guys, you can do better, you know. Like, it's a shame just... that no one thinks of the Nuggets at all, really. No, I oh, really. The, when nuggets. they think of the Nuggets, they think of Talk a stallion, about small town, a stallion in its prime, uh, waiting to, you know, um, impregnate a, a, a paddock full of mares. That, that's what I think of with the Nuggets. Um, uh, praying that so Jokic signs an extension. Otherwise, no one would hear from the Nuggets again for 10 years. Hey, Sneak, uh, Michael Porter Jr. has yet to sign that extension. So Uh, so who knows what's happening there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he wants the max. Who knows what they want to give him? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting times. Uh, 
Oracle, how, how does Dennis Schroeder fit into the Celtics if that actually happens? Apparently they've offered well, him a look, deal. They've only offered him a very small deal. It's only a one-year deal because right? they're not giving any two-year deals out. Mm. And all they can offer him is the mid-level. So, you know, he's not going to take that. I can't see the Celtics getting him. Oh, if they got him for that much, it's a bargain. Yeah. Because um, he was looking for 20-odd mi- Actually, he turned down. 20 million a season for four seasons from the Lakers. Um, so he's he's looking for a big deal, but that money's not out there anymore. Mm. And and pretty much every team's got their starting point guard now. So Schroeder's finding it hard to find a spot. And typical Lakers style, um, once Lakers have had enough of you, all they do is bag you and all that sort of stuff when you leave. Right? They want to talk about, Oh, locker room cancer and all this problem and all this sort of stuff. But a lot of times, once a player leaves the Lakers, they actually end up playing their best basketball, you know. So Example? if we can get him, oh, Randall would be one. Mm. Um, uh, what's his name? Ingram, yeah, Lonzo yeah. Ball. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of examples. Uh, they've been – that's what they do, you know. They, they, they kick you on their way out. Oh, Another one was that uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, they talked how bad he was in the locker room and stuff, and then they kicked him out. He went to the Nets, and then he became an all-star there, you know? So it's happened plenty of times with the Lakers. Yeah, okay. Uh, Snake, anything else that caught your eye? Uh, white side to the Jazz, which I thought <laughs> yeah. was a, a handy pickup. What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the theory there, Oracle? He's taking the uh, the favours spot, I think. Yeah. What's the theory well, there, Oracle? Well, it's a minimum deal, hmm. and you can play a similar kind of system, can't you? If you're replacing one giant with another giant, you can sort of keep the same, you know, positional play and everything. Obviously, he's nowhere near Gobert, but there are some similar. I don't mind Whiteside. I, I, I don't mind him at all. I think he's a good squad player. Well, when he was at the, he, he was racking up good numbers. At he was at the Heat, then he then he went to what, when he Sacramento? was when he was with the Heat, um, really he was good. like leading the league in blocks and everything. And yeah. I remember Bob Cousy. We had that big haul of picks. We had that six first round draft picks that we got from the Nets. And Bob Cousy said, "This guy's the next Bill Russell. Let's give the Heat all these picks to just get Whiteside." That's how much Bob Cousy was in on him. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> yeah, but but he's a he's a guy that um, doesn't play to the system normally. He just goes out there and he chases blocks and he doesn't play good position or play. And the Jazz are all about that. So and they've got a lot of good coaches. They'll they'll do everything they can to turn him around. And this might be one of his last chances. Um, so I think it was a good um, good little. Uh, you know, bet and see what he does. I'll tell you what, Ennis Cantor's wiki page is just getting longer and longer and longer. There's no real information. It's just clubs he's been at. <laughs> longer. He, is well, it, he gets I, traded like twice. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. The other thing about him, Pete, too, is the Celtics traded away a first-round pick so they could get rid of Cantor and bring in Tristan Thompson, and then they traded another first-round pick to get rid of Tristan Thompson, so they can bring back Cantor. So we, we lost two first-round picks, and we're back to square one. And that's not even counting Horford. <laughs> what is <laughs> it with the, the Celtics and centers? <laughs> well, that's what, 
That's why people thought that Isaiah Thomas was a chance to get back at the Celtics. They're bringing the you know the old crew back, getting the band back so, together. Yeah. Uh, Oracle, are the Celtics sort of getting into that basket case sort of area of um, NBA management? You know, the you used to you know tar the the Knicks with that brush and mm. and other rivals. Uh, are the Celtics there yet? Gee, it's a good question, Patty. <laughs> it's um, strange for, uh, I would say, if I can jump in, I would say for um, what you'd consider one of the top-tier teams in the East, the moves they're making doesn't screen top-tier. Like, if, if you contrast it with the 76ers where they're staying mum, like they're, they're sitting and wait, waiting it out. You can see a top team doing that. They finished on top. Let's see where the dust settles, where everyone's in their spots, and mm. then go from there. It seems that the Celtics are making some strange moves for someone that should be a contender. Well, look, I think like Danny Ainge was one of the best um, NBA executives for his whole career, but I think the last couple of years – you know, maybe he made a mistake or two or maybe a bit of bad luck, you know, but, you know, it clearly wasn't working with Kemba there. They had to move on from him. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it's just been to do with cap and trying to get back to having some flexibility and all of that. Um, but now that they've made that they don't want to mess it up just for some middling players they're going for a title so their best move was to try and get you know an all-star and the only way they could do that was through that free agency they couldn't do it through trade and if it doesn't work well then they'll have to go back to another scenario but i think this was their best way to go from a team that wasn't performing to a team that could potentially get a title so um it just i agree with of- the moves Tre- uh, treading water. It looks like but they have all, to all, all in on Beal, isn't it? It's Beal or bust. <laughs> well, look, in, in most years, you, you often find a, a disgruntled player wanting to leave. Um, so that usually happens. So if it's not Beal, it could be someone else. Like, who knows, maybe um, what's the centre for Minnesota? Maybe he'll have enough of it. Carl Anthony. Carl Anthony Towns wants to leave or something like that. Who knows? Um you know, in saying that, though, Oracle, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't turn the Celtics into a championship team. He, he's I'm not a winner. Saying, yeah, I'm I just think. saying that instead of just signing a couple mid-level players, oh yeah, I um, like that. I think yeah. their best chance is to go for a big fish, you know, and and they could do it. I so think Towns on the Celtics roster would be one of the more Fantastic moves that would oh. if it was to happen in fantasy, but and um, Embiid and the cat in the same division, yeah, with Drummond on the bench as well. It's like the Royal yeah. Rumble. You got to be happy with Drummond, um, Sneak. You got to be happy with Drummond coming on board. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm a fan of Drummond, even though I've copped a lot of flack over the years the for big my drum. my yeah. steadfast fast support. Of um, Andre, only because he he always gets the overs. Except at the uh, the Lakers, he was a busted at the Lakers. He couldn't he couldn't get over twenty stats. He was awful. Mm-hmm. But you know, 
<laughs> then you want to be a fly on the wall at the first practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could, Drummond and Embiid. Do you, do you remember some of the things that Embiid has said or tweeted or whatever? Oh, yeah. About Drummond? Got the real estate in his head. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> oh, they don't like each other. Really? But, but they're professionals. You always say that. It's Hollywood. It's like uh, it's like wrestling. You always got to throw. You got to throw shade on the other big men. That's part of being a center, isn't it? You got to smack down everyone that comes close to you, no matter. That's what they do. The, the only guy except Jokic. Yeah, the only guy that he doesn't do it to is Jokic. Um, but yeah, can can they turn Drummond into a sort of center oracle? In your opinion, um, that can take a little bit of heat off. And bead through the season and give him a bit of a rest, um, and play that similar system. Like I know, you know, Embiid out outside with his shot is a different kettle of fish. But can they play something that can give Embiid some, you know, rest, some minutes where he can rest those knees? I'm more worried about the chemistry of it all. When you got Drummond who comes off a uh, max deal. And he wants, you know, he wants to play for the Lakers. He doesn't want to sit on the bench, and he's he's vocal about that. And then he goes to a team that he's clearly going to be on the bench. So whether he's just resigned to the fact that he's a bench player, he's or given up. or whether he's going to start saying, "Hey, listen, I need to get more minutes. I need to get more touches," you know, because he's still a young man. So, um, whereas Dwight Howard was sort of in the twilight of his career. So I don't know how it's going to go down. Hopefully he's learned his lesson, but, you know, we don't know that. Okay, so throw something out there. With Embiid shooting, could you have both of them out there at once with some sort of zone defense? I think that'd be too slow. There's not many occasions where Twin Towers works in the NBA. You know, like, it's really moving another direction now because, like, if you've got a guy that's Duncan and the Admiral, just saying. Hey? Duncan and the Admiral. That was a different era. Like, now... Um, your small forwards are basically um, your four men, your, your, your power forwards, and they're running around shooting threes and stuff. So who's going to be out on the perimeter running around, you know, guarding a, a three-point shooter? Uh, I, I don't, I don't I, see I, it. Okay, so you look at them playing against New York. Could Embiid um, guard uh, the power forward of New York? What's his name? The, the Randall. School? Randall. Randall. No. I so Embiid so. ranks himself as possibly the best defensive player in the league. He can't defend Randall? Well, on the interior he can. Like, Randall's not getting anything inside, but Randall's a three-point shooter these days. And, he is. You know, you're not going to have... So he, he's just going to have open shots all night. So, so it's not going to work. It didn't work for the 76ers when they had Horford there. They've tried that. Been there, tried that. Didn't work. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. So that best is and Horford's off the bench. a lot more nimble than um, Drummond. True. And both of them can shoot threes. <laughs> yeah. It still didn't work. Nah. Nah, it's got to be one or the other, Matty. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, if the game was about rebounds, Drummond would be close, be in the MVP rating every year, sure. but it's not. He's um, one of the best so rebounders I'll... of all time. As long as he doesn't try and shoot too much and just dunks all the time. See, I reckon, I reckon Drummond and, and Simmons on court together would be all right. Nah, uh, no way. No? If we had a couple of shooters. We've signed Denny Green again. Oh, um, how old's Denny yeah. Green now? 
105. I'm pretty sure he's older than me. <laughs> um, he hasn't he hasn't aged that well. If you see Denny, <laughs> Denny Green over He's got those career, bow legs. He, he, he can hardly run. He looks like he's been like yeah, you know, on blazing saddles for bloody the last 20 years. He's got these bow legs. He can hardly run. He's... He's like, uh, nah, he's not nimble at all. I, I think that's a mistake. I think, like, I've mentioned it the last couple of seasons where he's in decline, he's going to decline even further. Well, he's also won a championship in those last couple of seasons. So, yeah, great call. Oh, okay. Well, let's see what he does. For oh, he won a championship with the. He won a championship with the Lakers and was in a team that finished in the top spot in the East. Yeah, he. Oh, he's. he's, he's Hasn't been that bad. Come on, he, I'm sure he's, he hasn't been putting up um, compazzo numbers. Sure, but yeah, he's been doing all right. Well, okay. Well, where do you think his best position is? Um, oh, I I wouldn't start him. <laughs> of course not. No, I, I, I wouldn't. No. I'm not. I'm not too sure what the 76ers are going to do this year. And I, th- I'm, I have a sneaky suspicion it has a lot to do. I'm, I think Shake will be getting a bigger Shake this season because they haven't been making any moves. You'd think the 76ers needed a guard. Like Dennis Schroeder, like, are they in the mix for him? No, well, they're spending their money on um, Danny Green and stuff, aren't they? Yeah. It's- I, I mean, Pete, you were just talking a bit. You know, what a good position the Sixers are in by just sitting on their hands or whatever. That's what professional teams that, do. That's what the best now teams talk- do, Oracle. The, the top-tier yeah. teams. I oh, know. And then and then now we're talking about all the bad moves that they've done. No, hang on. I have no. saying bad moves. You're no, saying bad you're moves. You're saying bad saying. moves, Oracle. Not yeah. Pete. Sorry, so, we're not trading back for Ennis Cantor. We yeah. all can't be doing those kind of trades. <laughs> <laughs> like giving up our picks for. He's our Embiid stopper. You know, we need. Hey, listen, I'll say this about Eric Cantor. In the um, the first time the Nuggets played the Blazers and they got knocked out by the Blazers in the playoffs a couple of years ago, Cantor, uh, whether he bunged it on or not, had a had a bung shoulder. And still was able to be quite effective against Jokic to the point where the Blazers were able to get above the Nuggets and and win with you know the guards playing awesome. But Cantor has done things, you know, has had that, moments. That, yeah, and time. that's his specialty is yeah. is putting a bit of beef on the real big centers like Tristan Thompson just isn't big enough to do that, but. Cantor is the sort of guy that can just make you work a little bit harder. Like, mm. he can't guard anyone out on the perimeter. He's, he's mm. useless there. But if you're relying on your centre for a lot of your scoring, well, he's your man. Yeah. And so, but but Pete, honestly, what's what's Danny Green's best position right now in the NBA? Three and D. That's what he is. So who, who's he guarding, the shooting guard or the small forward? Depends on the depends on the lineup. You can't, yeah. so he's, can't say so, he's, so he's guarding the spot on the floor. Essentially, he's guarding, in my opinion, the worst player out of the other team's no, small forward no, shooting no, guard. No, no, no. Seth well, Curry's defending the worst player. Yes, Pete, in your team. But I'm saying in, in his best position is to be guarding the other team's worst player out of the shooting guard and small forward and to stand out there and try and hit threes and but he's not guarding like okay you're up against the Suns, 
Who, who's he guarding there? Um, he'd be guarding. Oh, I've got his name. I love him. Booker. He's not guarding Booker. Is he guarding Chris Paul? No, he's not. Is guarding he guarding? Paul. Is he guarding? Um, that who's that small Bridges. forward? He's guarding Bridges. Bridges. He's guarding Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. 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 So the other team's worst attacker. So. <laughs> Well, no, in, in terms of that side. As this podcast keeps going, you get worse and worse, really. You're just clutching at straws now, man. I'm sorry. Hang on. Sneak. Sneak. Okay. A multi championship winning yes. player is not good anymore because you say it's not. Nudging, the, nudging 40. Who, who thinks the Nuggets are this, the second coming of. Jokic is the second coming of Jesus, who's surrounded by these. Ordinary players, Pete. Millsap's out, mate. We got green. We got the two greens. Plumley, you were um, talking up Plumley when he was there. You, you talk about Plumley's Plumley's a starter. A rest, Plumley's been a starter since he left the Nuggets, mate. Hey, Oracle. Green finished okay. on top of the East, and the East contained the champions yep. and the Nets. Oracle. Danny Green yeah. is he a game changer? Is he? Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. What's he doing? Look, 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 I think, I think the 76ers went from, um, you know, the top seeded team in the East to, I think at best they're going to be third. I, I don't see any way they're going to be better than either the Nets or the Bucks. And you know, depending on how some things go, you now they could slide down to like maybe fourth or fifth as well. Okay, I'm going to make a statement. Now this is, and I, it's totally just come to me out of the blue, okay? I want, this is going live to air, as we all know, to NVR 105.9, coming to you live, shooting out, shooting out of the Twinga base station to Yarrahatney mm. Mountain, and then across the world, Oracle. Yep. Pick, please, where you think the Sixers and the Nuggets are going to finish next year in their division. Sorry, not in their division, in their now, conference. Is this, hold on, is this your announcement? You're asking me yeah. what I think. And then I'm going to ask the same to Snake, and then I'm going to give bail, you my... Bail me out, Oracle. And then I'm going to give you my two points, and then we're going to actually, I'm going to record this and play it back at the end of next season. All right, so you're, you're asking, yep. do, does... The Sixers finish higher in the East than no, the no, Nuggets no. do in the West. Where are the Sixers going to finish and where are the Nuggets going to finish? And I'm going to ask the same of Pete of where the Celtics and the Nuggets are going to finish and I'm going to tell you where I think the Sixers and the Celtics are going to finish. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So I would say the Sixers will finish third in the East mm. and I would say the Nuggets, will. I think the Lakers will be ahead of them. I think um, I think the Clippers will be as good this year. Uh, Put them on the spot a bit here. Mm. I think. Um, Thank you. Utah might still be up there. Okay, I'll, of I I'll will. say Nuggets because of no Murray. I'd say they'd be about like fifth or sixth. Yep, I'm I'm thinking fifth. Yep. Okay. And where do you think the? Okay, so Pete Sneaky, yes. where have you got Hello. the um, Nuggets and the Celtics finishing? Celtics seventh or eighth, something like that, and Ooh. Philly third or fourth. Nuggets sixth. 
Okay, well, since Pete gave his opinion on Philly, Oracle, you better give us your opinion on the Celtics. I think they'll still make the playoffs, but I think um, I think probably eighth because I'm thinking Bulls are going to be a lot better. Charlotte, they weren't in the mix at all. Charlotte's will be up there. Knicks, I think they'll take a step back. I don't think they're going to finish fourth again. But I think Atlanta are going to be a good team this next year, and I think they might end up finishing fourth. So I think I think probably Celtics will be looking at the eighth spot or the play-in tournament. So isn't it interesting that you're telling me what a stupid move that was of the um, Bulls to be you know, getting DeRozan and whatnot, and now you're saying they're leap, leapfrogging the Celtics. Uh, I'm not saying they're leapfrogging. I'm saying that they're going to be, you know, more of a threat this year. You okay. know, but I think it's mostly to do with Levine. I think that Levine's going to come back a better player from this overseas thing, and um, and I'll have a bit more chemistry with um, Vucevic because they sort of just got together and then they had that bad run. I reckon yes. that having an off-season, that they'll find something. So, okay. Colin, Matt, where, where'd you say that the Philly were going to land? I'll start with the Nuggets, easy part. Um, I see oh, them... The world-conquering Nuggets, you should say. Yeah, I see them coming fifth. So in, who's the four the ahead of them, you reckon? Well, I'm actually not picking teams in front of them. I'm, I'm working on stats. I'm working on my engineering brain thinking um, probabilities. I'm using statistics. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on different levels. Pulling sorry, it out gentlemen. of your ass more like <laughs> Sorry, it. gentlemen. I'm, on, I'm, I'm not um, ranking them now. I'm thinking where I think they will come. Okay. Uh, the Celtics, I actually think with Tatum and Brown being fit, I think you're underselling a Oracle. I believe that those two guys playing well in that team with those guys around them, I can actually see them coming six as well in that sort uh, well, of area. It's going to be hopefully uh, okay. somewhere well, in the bottom of the Philly, playoffs. Where's Philly coming? I think Philly, I actually, <laughs> Pete, you're not going to like this, mate. I actually think Philly could end up being in the second half of the top eight, maybe fifth. Maybe six. So, so higher than all the other teams you just mentioned. So and what's then, your point? And, and then they'll crash out in the first. <laughs> what's your point? Then they'll crash out in the first round, mate. The other tones is that Philly is shit, but you've ranked them higher than both no, your teams. No, I don't think they're shit. I just don't think they've gotten better. I think they've gotten worse. And it all depends what happens with that's Ben that's Simmons, so obviously. It's easy to say they've gotten worse when they finished on top of the, of the conference. Oh, like, I think they're going to go backwards like from last year, Pete. Well, I'm gonna, who, I'm gonna put my reputation on it. Finish on top. Oracle. I'm putting my reputation on it. The, the, the Philly are going to go backwards next year in terms of where they finish. That's um, the only the place end. they have to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a bombshell there, Maddie. I'm going to go right out on a limb. You, you, you were right to tell us to just you know brace ourselves for this announcement no, and to say I, that Philly will go back. Boston will be. Maybe just in the playoffs, and um, I guess what we all predicted. So there wasn't really anything much different well, to what no we all said. I'll, I'll say this: <laughs> the Sixers are going to be a letdown. They were a letdown last year. <laughs> in the playoffs, they were. Yeah. Pete, Pete, been a letdown. 
they've been a letdown the whole franchise yeah. like since they started since Dr. in the league. Yeah, Sneak, you, that's their story. To be fair, we were like I was writing this too. We were riding quite high on the Sixers last year coming into the playoffs. You were riding higher than me. I was all all last season. I was worried, and you can go back and we got it on tape that the Sixers were blowing big leads. I was adamant of that all through last season. It was a, a glaring error, and it was a and it was a it was a miracle that they finished on top of the East. They got top seed in the East. It was a miracle. Okay, if you want, if it had gone to ten more games. The Nets had it for sure. Okay, Snake, if you want a big call then. Yeah, Doc come Rivers, on. Doc Surprise. Rivers won't last a season as a coach. Who? Doc Rivers? Nah. Ooh. I don't... Yeah, well... I'm not the biggest fan of Doc Rivers. No, nah, I'm not either. I think he's... I don't think he does much. No, no. <laughs> like, he turns up. Doc Rivers does... does he turns up, Pete. He owns his shirts. Um, <laughs> but does anyone like? Doesn't look like he does much. He looks like he's a guy that you know brings a chewing gum to the game and passes it around. Like he's prepared in that regard. But when it comes to like lineups, uh, tactics, that's why he gets there and goes. Oh, so, so uh, Jojo, what do you want to do today? <laughs> should we shoot the ball, Jojo? Like, or should we play some defense? Oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. Oracle, no where are you, where are you at on all this? Look, he, he won a championship for the Celtics. So what can I say? You know, like uh, he's a hero in Beantown. But, I mean, his style for Boston was perfect in that he didn't coach them. He he let them uh, not have to go to practice and all that sort of stuff because you had all these aging vets there, you know. So that was perfect. Uh, he just let them play and he was a great uh, motivator. Then he went to the Clippers and you had – you know, future Hall of Famer Chris Paul, mm. and they could barely get out of the first round. No. Um, so, you know, if he was that good and Chris Paul was that good, you would have expected a little bit more. But I thought during the regular season he did do a good job. I thought that he got a lot more out of Tobias Harris. I thought that um, that they were playing a lot better than they were under Brett Brown. But just sort of when it got to the playoffs... Um, crumbled. I, I don't know, because, like, if Ben Simmons was giving him nothing, like, should he have just taken him out? Like, that's what they, they've said. Like, maybe you should have just said to your star player, all right, we can't play you. Um, we're going to put in this rookie or whatever instead. Maybe you should have done that. But, like, if, if your star player is not given it, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to blame the coach in that um, situation. He's got, he's got a bit of Mal Meninga about him, doesn't he, Doc <laughs> Yeah. Like, he does, not like, <laughs> symbolic head of the team. That's right. Oh. I mean, look, and he, he was all lauded for when, you know, um, that Donald Sterling was uh, not a very good um, owner and he was the guy that sort of led the team and, you know, leading all these press conferences and all that. So he did a good job with all that sort of stuff. So you got to hand it to him on that. Right. Just when it comes to strategy, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> nah, can't say it. Well, okay. Well, I think that's a good um, place to end this. We've got some yeah. bombshells there. Run away. Uh, bombshells. <laughs> we all think the, we all think that the basically the same. Around the same. <laughs> the controversy. But, but, no, we'll put it this way. Um, the 
76ers are on the decline. Um, <laughs> the, the Nuggets are, 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 you know, hurt by injury. And Celtics uh, have a become a bit case, of a basket case. That's sort of... That's so where we're look at. It up, boys. That's where <laughs> we're at. Oh, now, one last thing. Um, have you guys ever heard of having... Um, there's a word for it, like a side squeeze or a little... A little little something on the side. Have you guys oh, heard yeah. That? yeah, side hustle. Yeah, yeah. Can we pick a little side hustle team to follow through next season to be a little, you know, a little side team that we might be a little bit interested in, a little bit interested in. Not a big team that's going to be top four or even top six in their conference. A little bit of a, um, and and obviously in the opposite. Conference to your team, so you you two got to pick a Western Conference team that are like, you know, maybe twelve to to seven, um, where you think they might finish, that you might follow and watch a few games and keep an eye on. There's um, nothing out there. Nothing's nothing's tickling your fancy, mate. No, the, the the ones that you know, I've said it the last couple of weeks. It's it's the Bulls and Charlotte. Yeah. They're the, they're, the, they're the two teams that are going to be the big improvers this year. I'm sure of it. But in the West, you've got the Pelicans. I don't see them doing anything. Um, but do, oh, and, and I think the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have sort of lost a oh, couple the of Grizzly, their... Oh, yeah. They've lost a couple of their players that are, are good players. They're sort of like rebuilding rebuilding or retooling or something. So I don't think they're going to be as good this no, year. I don't Timberwolves? Valanguna's going like... Mm. Timberwolves, yeah. fellas? No, well, the Timberwolves haven't gotten any better either. They didn't even have a first-round pick this so, year. So you can't even think of a little side team that you might be interested in. In the, in. In the well, West? In the West. I'm interested, I'm interested in watching a few more Hawks games this Hawks? year. Hawks? Okay. Um, and a few more Charlotte games this year. Um, I'm interested in watching uh, some Bulls this year as well. Yeah, I'm interested um, in the Bulls. And Detroit. And Detroit, yeah. So it's all, all eyes out east. Yeah, that's where the action is. The East is on the rise. Yeah, it's the revenge. The sun rises in the East. <laughs> well, there's some tough teams out there now. Yeah. Yep. And the and the and the West are falling apart. They're who, all in the injury ward. Who knows, but, Sneak? The the East could end up becoming the toughest conference um, in the NBA. It could well, be a it's thing. the conference with the toughest division. Yeah, okay. Interesting. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I thank you for your time. Um, yeah. Sneaky um, condolences. Um, yeah, on, the, on our decline. On the yeah, decline of the 76ers. And um, Oracle condolences on the basket case that is the Celtics. So I hope they... <laughs> um, is Red Albert still could... alive? No. They can't bring him back? No. No. Nah, um, could Bill Russell nah, get nah. back involved? He is could. It... He Larry could. Bird, can they can they can, yeah. they, can they get yeah, some of the know, old man. aging stars to come back I, and I'm rekindle glad, that? I'm glad you've got this all on on uh, recorded because you you'll see what the Celtics will come up with later on. You know, never never doubt the Celtics. Okay, never. We'll right see I, what happens. Right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, Sneaky Pete from the dark web. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, the Thanks, NBA man. Oracle Simon LeBrant. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys have done a great job tonight. And uh, we're going to sort of go out with a little bit of... Uh, I've been playing the funky stuff, so I want to play a little bit more of that uh, funky stuff coming up. And I'm thinking... 
Oh, geez, I, I, I kind of want to play. I, I think I'm going to come out with some Isley Brothers, um, Fight the Power. And, you know, that's been the NBA show. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. And we're going to come out with some funky stuff.